Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. If you're looking for a church home, we want to invite you and your family to be a part with us every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about Summit Church, you can visit YourSummitChurch.com. We believe that God wants to speak to you, and we pray that your life is encouraged and inspired through today's message. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are leading us and guiding us. We thank you for your word. We pray, Jesus, that you will move in your spirit, by your spirit, and change lives, God, today. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll lead us and guide us and direct us, God. We just pray that you'll take your word and put it deep in our heart and stir us up for your kingdom and for your purpose, God. Help us to have joy. Lord, in the middle of circumstances, help us have joy. In the middle of issues, help us have peace. In the middle of all that we deal with on a daily basis right now, God, that we'll just have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Lord, we will not be down. We will not be defeated. We will not be overcome or overrun because we know the battle belongs to you and not to us, God. We just pray, Father, right now, Lord, for every single person that's in this church and every single person that's in church online, God, that the Holy Spirit will move on us today. God, we, we, it doesn't matter what we do. If your spirit is not in it, Lord, we don't want any part of it, God. We want you to touch who we are and what we do, God, in Jesus' name. We just need your presence today. We need your power today. We need your grace today. We need your mercy today. Father, we need the Holy Spirit to move among us today. And we just ask you, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, that you will lead us and you will guide us and you will empower us and you will use us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for giving us joy. Thank you for taking our place and thank you for raising from the dead. We praise you. We give you glory. Now anoint me, Father, that I may preach your word in a way that moves me out of the way and puts you front and center. Help me to preach your word in a way that connects with the heart of every single person that's a part of our worship experience today. And, and Lord, we just give you praise and we ask you to change us, Lord. Whatever needs to change in us today, change it. Whatever needs to be renewed in us today, renew it. Whatever needs to happen in our lives today, we submit ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you. And we just say, do your will in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and come on, let's give God one more hand clap of praise, if you will, before you're seated. God is good. You can be seated. No, you can stand up. I'm sorry. Can you bring me that bottle of water, Sydney? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We always read in honor of the scripture. I mean, stand in honor of the scripture. And I thank you. Um, so I, I almost messed up there. So today I want to talk to you about, we've been talking about a classic Christmas. And so we're taking the ideas of Christmas and just dealing with them straight across and not you know, not trying to be fancy or do special things. We're just talking about the Word this Christmas. And I know this is a weird Christmas. It doesn't feel like what we normally do. It's strange and weird and all that. But hey, let's get over that and let's just get dive into the Word and let God speak. How many of you want God to speak to you today? You just need God to do something in your life today. Raise your hand if it's you, uh, even on church online. So we're so thankful for that technology that we can do that, even though we got snow on the ground today. And... Uh, and all that else that is going on, we just praise God for the opportunity to be in His house. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about the joy of Joseph's dream. I want to talk to you about the joy of Joseph's dream. You know what I think right now? And you're going to see more about this as we go along today. But you know what I think right now? I honestly think there's way too much negativity. <laughs> and everybody's like, duh. <laughs> uh, 
No, but truthfully, I think we've, we've, we've let it get out of balance, believers. I think that we've let circumstances start influencing and dictating, and, and we're in a, in a way, we're letting our emotions lead. And I know we're all going through some things. I know we're all going through some stuff. But you know what? We don't need to let our emotions lead. We need to let the Spirit of God lead us. Amen? Come on, everybody smile at me for a minute because you look a little bit uh, disgruntled this morning. Come on, look at me, smile. Yeah, t- if you have a mask on, take it down. Let me see just for a second. You're not close to anybody. And, and you know what? We need to let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Turn to somebody and point them right, at point them, point them right in the face. Say, get some joy this morning. Yes, yes, yes. So let's take our scripture text this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. We'll talk about the joy of Joseph's dream. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. If you want to get your Bibles out, it'll go up on the screen if you, if you don't have it ready. And let's read together. Everyone read. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after all, he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus." because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Man, isn't that a great name and just when I hear us say that name there's just power in that name just say that name with me again Jesus just say it one more time Jesus one more time Jesus yes thank you Jesus you can be seated now I don't know today if you really understand or comprehend what was going on here. I know that a lot of times I don't necessarily, sometimes we read scripture and it just kind of goes and we just kind of read it as if it's a little story and if it's not really what it is and we treat it almost like it's just like any other book and we don't understand the power and the absolute (laughs) amazingness of what God is saying to us. And this is one of those instances where I think because we celebrate it every year, we think we don't really think of it. But I got news for y'all. The Bible is scandalous. I don't know if you know this, but I mean, this is one of the most scandalous stories you will ever read. And I, I can identify completely with Joseph. I can identify completely with him. And I want to be honest with you. I don't think Joseph gets enough credit. I think we talk a lot about Mary. I think we talk a lot about the angels. I think we talk a lot about uh, the the birth and the and the you know we talk about uh, the wise men and the shepherds in the field. But you know, rarely do we actually talk about Joseph. Who was this man, Joseph? Who how 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 amazing a man is this? I mean, incredible. But I want you to look in context 
at all of this, what is actually going on here and what actually happens with Joseph and Mary and in this entire situation. Because I'm telling you right now, it is not the ideal situation if you're Joseph. Come on, how many of you can agree with that today? Uh, if you want to look at the notes on this, you can look at your version and, and you'll find them there. But, uh, you know, his life, his plans, his marriage uh, were all just wrecked in a moment. I mean, if you really read this in the context of how it happened and what happened, you find out that Joseph didn't know what was going on. So Mary knew, Elizabeth knew, other people knew. The angel of the Lord Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to conceive a son that's going to be by the Holy Spirit. And when you conceive this, this son by the Holy Spirit, it'll be my son and you're, you, I've chosen you, I've picked you out. We talked about Mary last week. And what a blessing and what an amazing thing. But all Joseph knew is that his betrothed wife was pregnant and the father wasn't him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not okay with this. And, and neither was Joseph. It, it, it's a crazy thing to think that you're getting married, you're getting ready to be married to someone, you're engaged. Now, you have to understand that Jewish culture, betrothal is much more serious than just uh, as we view engagement here. People get engaged, they break off their engagements all the time. It's like, oh, this, they start going through marriage counseling, they're like, ah, this what, we're not making the right decision, it's not the right time, we're just not going to do this. And that happens all the time. And, and, uh, uh, it's, it's okay that it happens because you'd rather people find out if they're really compatible and really should be together before they get married than after they get married. Come on, somebody say amen. But that happens all the time here, and it's almost not a thing. People's hearts are broken. It's hard to get used to. It's a, but in Jewish culture, it's a whole different thing. When you're betrothed to someone in this time, that's like you literally to get out of that betrothal, you have to have a decree of divorce. So you have to go through the legal process of divorce to not get married. I mean, this is an intense situation. So here's Joseph. He, he's got this girl who is absolutely has the reputation of basically a, an angel. She is just pure. She's wonderful. She's a significant person. She sees herself as a servant of God. She's a beautiful person. Everyone says so. Her reputation holds out that, man, she is who God, you know, would pick to bring his son through in this, in this earth. I mean, and this is the kind of person she is, and this is the kind of person Joseph knows. But then all of a sudden, Joseph finds out um, she's pregnant. Now, how many of you would have a little freak-out moment if that was your situation? I guess no one. I guess you all be okay with that. Y'all just, just like... You, 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 you just like, hey, we'd go on Maury, we'd find out what's going on. You know what I mean? I, some of y'all just showed your age by laughing at that. But the truth is, this was, a, this was a weird situation. We're going to talk about it more in a moment. But here's the reason I bring that out. Because a lot of times when God is doing something in our life, and it's hard to deal with, and we don't understand the circumstances of it, our response is very important. And sometimes we don't find ourselves responding in the appropriate way. Sometimes we find ourselves getting afraid. Or sometimes we find ourselves losing faith and doubting. Sometimes we wonder, where's God in all this? And why, why isn't God around? And why isn't God here? And why, why isn't God 
uh, doing something? Or why isn't there a move of God in my life in this situation? And it feels like uh, God is not there. But just listen to me very carefully, and you can find this throughout Scripture. Just because God is silent on something doesn't mean he's absent from something. And just because you may not be hearing from him or you don't know sure what you're supposed to do, listen, he's still there and he's not leaving and he's always going to be available to you. You just may not feel it. or And, so, and, and because we go so much by our feeling, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. I would have had a talk with my wife or my, uh, b- uh, uh, you, you know, my, my betrothed wife, me and Janae, we would have had some words over this situation. How many of you can imagine that happening? Be like, girl, what you up to? What you, who you, what, what? I don't even know what to say right now. But you know what Joseph did? And we'll talk about this more in a moment. But Joseph, his response was he was a man who was also perceived by God as the one to be the step. Can you imagine being picked to be the stepfather for God's kid? This is why it was such a big deal when Jesus turned 12 and they lost him. Can you imagine being responsible for losing God's child? Not good. Not a good scenario. And so Joseph was this great guy. And he was picked, handpicked by God to be this person who would father his own child. Jesus, the son of the living God. And this is why. You can see why, because of Joseph's response in the middle of an uncertainty that would blow most of our minds. Joseph was a follower of the law, so he knew, he said to himself, there's been infidelity here. My wife is pregnant, my betrothed is pregnant, and I I have not been with her, so that means someone has been with her, so what am I going to do about this? And what he does is amazing because he says, it says he's a follower of the law, which means, what that means is he's going to divorce her because that's what you would do. But even in doing that, he did not want to shame her. He did not want to put her in a light that would ruin her reputation or make her look bad or make everyone know what was going on or put her out there on blast for everyone to see. It just wasn't his heart. It just wasn't his mind. And now you know and can see why God would choose him. Because he wasn't quick to judge or quick to be angry or quick to be mad. He was was confused. He didn't know what to do. He can't believe or imagine why this would be happening. But his response was, I'm not going to be ugly about this. Listen, there's a lot of reasons to be ugly about that. So he goes to sleep that night and he has a dream. Now, I cannot tell you, but this would be the most relieving dream you could ever have. God comes to you in a dream, and an angel comes to you and says, Hey, don't worry. This is of God. You can marry, marry, and you don't have to worry about it. It's all good. It's going to be great. Man, I can, I can tell you that being the man of God that he was, I'm sure he was just blown away by that. I'm sure he was just like, oh, thank, thank you, Jesus. I was having all kinds of thoughts. You know, us, we would have... Now listen, this is a problem. We would have prematurely cut off the blessing of God for our lives because of our impatience or our confusion or our lack of ability to understand there's more going on here than what we can see. This is why the Apostle Paul told us we don't walk by faith. I mean by sight, but we walk by faith. We don't walk by emotion or feelings. It's not to say that you're not going to have some emotion. 
When you face trials or circumstances or problems or issues, you're going to have some emotion. You're going to have some issues. You're going to have some things to work through. But if we allow our emotions to lead us, then instead of getting the blessing of God, we completely destroy the opportunity for the blessing to come into our life because of our response to uncertainty or our response to confusion. And here's what it does when we respond inappropriately to what is happening in our lives it shuts the door to the revelation of what God is actually trying to do in our life. And it totally, completely shuts joy out. Because when we start letting our emotions lead in an uncertain circumstance, joy's gone. We have no more joy. We have no more peace. We start getting conflicted inside. How many of you have ever been in that inner turmoil? You've been in that place where you're just torn up inside. You can't make a decision. You don't know what to do. You're going back. Some of you have been there in the last... Shoot, all of us have been there in the last few months. It's like, what do I do? What, what's the right thing to do? How do I do it? Why do I feel so confused on the inside? It's because we just need to step back and say, our response is going to be one of goodness and kindness and love and faith and patience and endurance. And I wonder, I wonder why God didn't tell Joseph first. Wouldn't you love it if God would come and tell you things first before things happen? Wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, y'all, 2020, it's going to be bad. It's not going to be good. Just prepare yourself for it. I don't remember that. I remember 2020 vision. We all had 2020 vision, right? God is pouring out on us. It's going to be a new day. It's going to be awesome. Everything's going to happen. You want to happen. You're going to be blessed in every way. You can possibly be blessed 2020. It's got to be because it's 2020. And then all hell broke loose in 2020. God, you could have told somebody. But that's not the way this works. It's not the way this works. And when we don't work the way God works, when we don't flow within the context of the way God does things, then we lose our joy. Because, ladies and gentlemen, joy is not mere happiness. Happiness is cheap. Happiness is just a feeling. Happiness is not, it's what we all as Americans are striving for, but it's not what we should be striving for. What we should be striving for is joy. That, that, that the Bible calls joy uh, unspeakable and full of glory. That, that joy that is so encompassing, so emboldening, it's so filling us up and all joy is is gladness of heart based on an assurance that God is in control and I know I can trust and have confidence in him so I'm not going to worry I'm not going to fret I'm not going to run around confused I'm not going to be crazy I'm not going to let my emotions drive me no I'm going to do what you know, because here's the deal. Pressure does not make the man. I know so much of the time we talk about how pressure, when we get in pressured situations, that's when, we're, that's when who we really are is developed. No, it's not. Pressure does not develop you. Well, yes, we've heard all the analogies about pressure developing us. Pressure developing us because you like the coal goes in the ground and over time pressure and then the diamond. Yay! That's how it works. No, that's not being developed. That diamond's always there. It's being revealed. When we get in pressured situations, what happens to us is not development, it's revelation. 
In other words, who we really are comes out. That's why when Joseph was faced with this confusing, unbelievable, bad situation, what came out of him was kindness and goodness and grace. He didn't come out with anger and frustration and hatefulness. But he came out with, I don't understand this. I'm going to do what the law tells me to do. But I am not going to make this a bad situation for her. This is betrayal in his mind. It's very interesting. Um, we, 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 we understand now why God chose him. Because of his mentality and his attitude and his heart towards God. The last part of that scripture, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, but did not want to expose her to public disgrace and had in mind to divorce her quietly. And he had every reason to. Wouldn't we? Shoot, social media blow up. Y'all ain't going to believe what happened to me. I want everybody to know. I want to expose this. Like it's anybody's job to expose except God. (sighs) There's this quote. It's an anonymous quote and I love it. It says, nothing hurts more than being disappointed by the single person you thought would never hurt you. You know that's what Joseph had to be feeling. He was in love with this girl. They, 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 they were prepared, preparing for life. They had dreams. They had visions. And in a moment, he finds out, you're not who I thought you were. Another way to say it is this, another anonymous quote that I read this week. It says, sometimes the person you would take a bullet for is the one standing behind the trigger. <laughs> yes and amen. And when that happens, listen, when that happens... It's very important that we respond appropriately. Now, I'm going to give a little side note here just for parents, those of you who are online and those of you who are here in the room. I want to give a little side note about how parenting is important in these kinds of situations. When we face uncertainty, when we face difficulty, when we face confusion, when we face problems that come out of nowhere and we don't know necessarily what to do about it, we don't know what God's up to, we don't know what He's going to do, we don't know why He's not doing something already, whatever the case may be in your particular situation. And sometimes we just respond with all those ways that are not right instead of those things that are right. And it's so important as a parent. Now listen, We talked last week about how Jesus was able to pray, not my will but yours, because that's the type of life Mary lived, right? When Jesus came to her and told her, young lady, I know you have plans. I know you, I mean, the the Gabriel, angel Gabriel, I know you have plans. I know you're about to get married. I know your life is going to take this certain trajectory, but I'm going to change all that right now. You're going to conceive a son by the Holy Spirit. He's going to be the Savior of the world. His name is going to be Jesus, and you're going to raise him up, and he's going to do great things, change the world forever, because he is the Son of God, which makes him God, the second person of the Trinity, and you're getting the privilege of carrying this hold on but that's not what she says she doesn't say hold on she says first she's 
the Bible says trepidatious, she's scared. I mean, you'd be scared too if Gabriel showed up in your room. How many of y'all just be okay if Gabriel showed up tomorrow morning in your room and said, hey, how's it going? I got a message for you. You you know, all of us people who are into spiritual things, we say we'd love something like that until something like that would happen. And then we'd be like, "Uh, I really, you know, we were like the children of Israel. You know, Moses, you go to the top of the mountain, you talk to God, he's really loud, and I don't want to hear that. But this guy shows up, this messenger of God shows up and says this to her and immediately changes her life forever. Forever her life is changed. Now think about that. The purpose, the trajectory, everything she thought her life would be like that changed. And her response is, be it unto me as you have said. In other words, if this is what God wants, I'm a servant of the Lord. God, whatever you want. So when Jesus faces the crucifixion and he goes to pray in the garden before, what does he pray? He prays, God, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult, but, but not my will. Your will be done. In essence, he prays the very same prayer that Mary prayed in that interaction with Gabriel. Not my will, your will be done. And this is what Jesus prays in the garden of Gethsemane before he does the most important thing of any of our lives. Not my will, your will be done. And so... This is the same thing that happens with him and Joseph. He was able to handle betrayal in his life because that's the type of modeling he got from his dad. Because we may be able to look on this story and say he wasn't betrayed, yet in the moment he did not know he wasn't betrayed. He thought full well that the person he loved the most that would never betray him had betrayed him. He thought full well that the person that he would take a bullet for was firing the gun. That's where he was. And his response was one of faith and one of goodness and one of grace. And that's why Jesus could look and come to that, 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 that last supper with the disciples. And he could wash their feet. And in the washing of feet, he included Peter, who would deny him, his best friend. And he included Judas who had already or was about to betray him. And he was able to do that, not just because he was Jesus and not just because he had the spirit in full measure, but because his parents had modeled for him, this is how you respond in uncertain situations. This is how you respond when all the world is against you. This is how you respond when everything doesn't seem right and it's confusing. This is how you respond when someone betrays you and someone hurts you and someone harms you. This is how you respond. And my question to all of us, and this is not even what the message is about today, not parenting, but my question to all of us is, as parents, is that what our kids are seeing as we go through 2020 and have gone through 2020? And is that what our kids are seeing as we think about the future and the things that they're having to deal with? Or are they seeing people who are unsettled, people who have lost faith, people who are afraid, people who don't know what to do, people who are angry? What are they seeing because what they are seeing is in the future what they will be whether you like it or not doing come on somebody say amen say oh me ouch amen whatever you can say we all have judases we all have i remember a few several years ago we had some people in our life that we loved very much and uh cared for deeply and we supported, and we helped, and we ministered to, and we mentored, and 
we paid bills and we came came alongside and we worked through things in marriage and we worked through things in hardships and difficulties and we helped and we blessed and we prayed and we did everything we could do and then those very people got upset with us because we didn't do something they wanted us to do and they just lied about us and they they didn't just a little bit lie they lied big and a lot and it caused us it caused us such upheaval in our life it caused us such distress in our life but the thing that was worse about it is how much we loved them and could, couldn't get our minds around why would you do that we don't understand why would you do that and and we all know and here's the sad part we all know that we can all are capable of having Judas's in our life but let's just be go let's go one step further and be honest about it we know full well every single one of us we all have the capability of being a Judas in someone else's life because a lot of times when we when we get in relationship with people it's not necessarily about the relationship and the love and the peace and the joy and all of that that comes with good relationship but it's about the control that I have over you or that you have over me and when you get outside the box that I think our relationship means or you get outside the box that I think our relationship is supposed to be then I'm mad at you and I will I will act out and I will say things I shouldn't say, and I'll do things I shouldn't do, and I'll be things I shouldn't be, because I don't really love you. I love the idea of me and you in relationship. Man, I don't know why that's in this message, and I don't know, but I feel like that church online, that's probably for y'all, because all these people are more holy. They probably, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. That's, hey, I'm joking. I really love you more. Anyway. How are we responding? And are we responding with joy? So the question is, how did, how did he respond? But after considering this, an angel of the Lord came and appeared to him in a dream. And Joseph did the unthinkable. He took it on. I saw a, a post today of a, of, of a mom just kind of saying thanks to her husband who was the stepdad of her son that had been there since he was two years old, but he never called him stepson. It was always son, and they were never a feeling of, and she said he wasn't a stepdad, but he was a dad who stepped up. And I loved that thinking. And that's what you can see Joseph as. He was a dad who stepped up. Think, think about it. He was a dad who stepped up. He, he didn't have to. He could have very well said, all right, I'm out. This is too much for me. It's way too complicated. I don't even understand what you just told me. Let's be honest. If, if, the whole, if, if, if an angel came to you in a dream and told you your wife had just conceived God's son, you, you're going to freak out just a little bit. I don't know why that's not in I wish that was in here, what he actually did in that moment. Like, I wish I would have seen the expression on Joseph's face. I wish I would have seen the words that came out of, my, out, out of his mouth. I know some of the words that may have possibly come out of my mouth, probably not what an angel or God would want to hear. That would freak you out. And life is like that, these Weird circumstances, these strange moments, these uncertain things. That what, what do I do? What do I do? Well, i tell you what you do. You respond with this. You respond with God's word, not your words. You respond with his nature, not 
your nature. You do what Joseph did. You step up to the opportunity. You step up to the problem. You step up to the issue. We're so busy running around trying to do things to keep ourselves in denial that there's actually anything going on. No, no, you step up to it. You do what David did. You run towards the giant. I love what, oh, I can't ever remember her name. She was an Olympian uh, years ago, uh, and she lives in Oklahoma now. I know that. Um, what was her name? Oh, man. Uh, it must rhyme with Idi Amin because that's the name that keeps coming to my head, but we know that's not right. Uh, but anyway, she talked about when she, defect, she defected from Romania, and she talked about her defection, and she talked about how fear tried to overcome her. And she said, she said I, will, I, I, I look fear in the face, and I run towards fear, because the only way to deal with fear is to trample it under your feet. And I think that's what we need to do. I think that's the spirit of what I'm trying to convey here with this series is that, look, Look, we are facing issues. We have faced issues. We're going to continue to face issues because that's, that's life. This is not new. I don't know why we're surprised by this. It's just longer than we wanted it to be. Come on, how many of you could disagree? That's exactly what the problem is. We have anxiety. We have stress because we thought this was going to be a blip on the screen and we just get back to business and it hasn't been. And so we're like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, like I've had moments. Y'all don't even know how your pastor feels. Let me tell you, I've had moments where I went into my staff and I said, I don't want to hear the word COVID. I don't want to talk about COVID. We're not going to preach about COVID. We're not going to tell people how to deal with COVID. I hate COVID. Let's hang COVID in effigy outside the church office uh, in a hoop let's hang them and burn them at the stake i don't care let's just get rid of it that's how i have felt during this time that's not the right way to deal with this the right way to deal with this is head on to think about it to process to know that just because it's covid doesn't make it any different than any other problem that we face in life and i don't know why we're dealing with it in other ways than the way we should be dealing with it at its face, looking it in the eyes and saying, you have no authority or power over us, and standing on the word of God and moving forward, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the situation, we act as if God has gone to sleep because COVID came to the earth. Hello? Y'all should have, everyone should have said, amen, that's right, brother, preach it. I'm going to say it to myself. Church Online, this is why I love you, because I know you're hitting the hearts and the likes right now. Some of y'all are like, I'm just staying home next time then, and I'm going to be on church online that's way. So I want to talk to you really quickly, finish this up, three joys of Joseph's dream. Now, when I say three joys of Joseph's dream, I want to tell you, they may not at first sound like joys to you, but they are because remember, joy is gladness of heart based on the assurance that God is in control. So, so, so here's the first joy. Are you ready? The joy of trial. The joy of trial. Tribulation. Hardship. Difficulty. The joy. Hold on, Pastor. Stop right there. I'm not about that. I don't want to hear about being a good, you know, I don't want to hear about, you, you know, you can do it or, or you know, chin up or I, I just want to get through this and be done. Well, let me just tell you, you getting through it like that is going to be much harder than getting through it the way Jesus says we could get through it. Look at James chapter 1, 
verse 2 through 4. And here's what it says. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the trusting of your faith produces, uh, the te- excuse me, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here's the, here's the thing. God, no one wants to hear this, and we, we serve a good God. He's so good. He is good. He's always good, which means everything he does is good. So if he tests you, it's a good thing, and it's good, and it has good purpose in it and good intention in it. So don't act like God won't test you, that God won't put you to the test. Who are you that you can't be put to the test? And what's happening right now, I'm just going to say it out and out, outright. Our faith and many people are not succeeding in this test. But our faith is being tested right now as we speak. The longevity of it, the perseverance of it. Will we believe no matter what? We are being put to the test. And you're like, what? I don't like that theology. Like it or lump it. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I just heard it when I was growing up. Like it or don't like it, it's the truth. And it's good. Everybody say test is good. When you get a test in school, it's a good thing. Why? It's reflecting what you know or what you don't know and helps you know what you yet need to learn. And that's what testing in, even in a spiritual sense, is that God puts our faith to the test so that now don't misunderstand me to say, listen to me, don't misunderstand me to say that my theology involves believing that God would give you sickness or make you sick to put your faith to the test. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying God's using this moment, this season of hardship and difficulty for all of us. He's using it right now to put our faith to the test. And are we passing? That's the question. What grade are we getting? I love how it says it in the Amplified Bible because it leaves no room for misunderstanding. It says, consider it nothing but joy. (laughs) In other words, don't even think about anything else. Just think that I'm going through something hard. I got to have joy. I need to have joy. This is joy. No, it's not, Pastor. It's not joy. It's not, there's nothing joyous about this. You don't see me jumping up and down, do you? You don't see me with bell. You know, I, this is Christmas. I don't even, I've had so many people tell me, I don't even feel like Christmas season. Well, get over yourself. That's on you. And don't make everybody else not feel like it's Christmas season because you can't get your attitude straightened up. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching good now. We, we, we got to get to this place where we understand it is joy to be tested. Because what's going on in the test is God is teaching us how to persevere. He's teaching us how to be strong. He's teaching us how to look at problems and look at scenarios and look at situations and have faith in the middle of it and say, no, he's teaching us. Listen, he's teaching us how to look at Goliath across the valley and say, you may be big and ugly and be this great warrior, but I'm not letting you curse my God. And I'm going to run at you and I'm going to take the gifts that God has given me and I'm going to bring you down and cut your head off. That is how we should be letting this trial and this test 
do to us should be reinforcing our faith, reinforcing our strength, reinforcing our joy. Because no matter what's going on, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You can't gin up this kind of joy. You can't make this kind of joy happen. You can't go, all right, I'm going to really build myself up. I'm going to have a lot of joy today. No, it doesn't work that way. The joy of the Lord comes through you knowing him, getting in his word, and the fruit of joy just pops out of your life. And when everybody else is running around like chickens with their heads cut off and they don't know what to do or how to do it, you're just standing in faith, standing in the confidence that God is on your side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Nothing can stop me. Nothing can keep me from doing and being and becoming everything God wants for my life. So we got to understand first the trial, the joy of trial. So my question is, how are we maturing through this? Now, I've got a question. Spiritually, have we become immature or have we become more mature? Through this, have you allowed this to make you spiritually more immature or more spiritually mature? No one, including me, wants to look at trials as if they are joy. But the truth is, if we will look at it this way, and we'll have gladness of heart that we're being trusted by God to go through the test, then we know on the other side we'll be complete, we'll be mature, we'll be able to accomplish everything God wants us to accomplish. Oh, don't, don't get it twisted. God's preparing you. He's preparing me for something greater in our life. If you're treating Him casually, and you come out of this with no effect, and you haven't gained, and you haven't learned, and you haven't grown, that's on you. That's on you and because you're being told and you're being encouraged. And I just want to tell you, the Word of God is truth. And the Word of God tells you exactly what's happening now. Number two, the joy of truth. The joy of truth. Henry David Thoreau said something I really love. He said, rather than love, than money, than fame, give me truth. Rather than love, than money, then fame give me truth. Something we deal with on an everyday basis. And guys, listen to me. We live in a culture, and you hear me talk about this all the time, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it, I keep thinking it's going to subside. I keep thinking that this pressure towards cultural and moral relativism is going to go by the wayside. I keep thinking that people are going to stand up and say, no, we will not believe that, and we will stand on the truth, and we believe in absolute truth, and we believe that this is what truth is. But it seems like because of the places this comes from, whether it's entertainment or whether it's government or whether it's information that we're getting from education, whatever the case may be, we get these things and we're giving in to them. And people are starting to say things and act in ways that reflect that we are not believing in absolute truth and we are not we've got pastors who are scared to get up and tell the truth about the word of God because we don't want to offend anybody but the truth is I would rather offend you than not warn you that something in your life needs to change so God can do something significant in your life and you can escape hell and make heaven that's my job that's my role and I'm not running from it and I'm not ever going to run from it I want truth because truth will set you free and all those things that we try to call truth or my truth is my personal truth and I want to believe my truth. Well, just believe your truth to destruction. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's destruction. 
We cannot go by the way man thinks. We cannot go. Are we, are we so ridiculously blinded by ourselves that we don't see that when people are fighting for this your truth, my truth, cultural relativism and moral relativism, that we don't see that it's lifestyle based and it's truly literally just a way to say, I don't want to be accountable to anything holy. I don't want to be accountable to anybody that's an authority in my life or any God that's an authority in my life. I want to change philosophies and ideologies and scripture to fit the lifestyle I want to have, instead of saying, I'm going to follow the word of God and submit myself to him, because that is the truth. And I'm just going to tell you, I've lived on both sides of this coin. I've lived in that place of, of what I thought was truth. And I'm like Moses, like I endured, I enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season, but the pleasures of sin are only for a season. And those things that you think are freedom are literally, ultimately going to be the chains that bind you and keep you from any kind of freedom in your life. And I don't care what church and what preacher and what pastor and what television minister or YouTube preacher you can find to uh, accommodate your believing non-truths. I'm never ever going to do it. I'm never going to be it because I know what God has called me to do. And I'm going to preach the truth of the word of God. Amen. And that goes for all of us. You know, you know, some of us, we as Christians are, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you need, you're drinking too much. No, 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 no. Somebody shout me down. That's right, pastor. You're eating too much. No. You're wrong, pastor. Come on. don't look at me like that it's the truth we want the we want the categories of sin to be really wrong that we don't do oh come on y'all want some joy in here you want freedom in here you just want to keep living you're like this is christmas you're not supposed to talk of such things joy comes with freedom when it's based on truth I'm closing in about an hour. First John chapter 3, verse 18. Dear children, let us not live. Hold on. Let us not live with, in words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Or love, excuse me. Dear children, let us not love in words or speech, but with actions in truth. Thirst was made for water. Inquiry was made for truth. We need, we need to be inquiring of the Lord. We need to be asking questions right now, but not questions of why this and why that and why this. No, we need to be asking questions like, God, what are you wanting to do in my life? God, what are you wanting to change in my life? Uh, scripture, John chapter 8, verse 32 in the NIV, it says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Rick Warren said this, I love it, said, standing courageously for an unpopular opinion isn't easy, but the rewards of standing courageously for the truth will last forever. Listen, all these things that do not accept absolute truth are just temporal in their makeup. They're just temporary. And listen, temporary at some point in our lives, whether by death or the return of Christ or the end of times, whatever the case, is going to be over. But eternity will never be over. And if you want to make an impact on eternity, if you want to make it into eternity in the presence of God, then what you need to be understanding is 
that, that, that the truth is the most important because the Bible tells us in John chapter 8, verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth brings joy because, because it brings freedom. Truth brings joy because it takes life out of the realm of assumptions and fantasy and it puts it in an open mind place and a heart, open heart towards God and to what is most real in life. You don't even understand what's most real. Most of the time, most of us don't because we're so caught up with the distractions of this world. Listen, God is the realest thing you will ever enter. I don't even see God. It doesn't matter if you see Him or not. He's more real than you. He was here before you. He'll be here after you. Come on. The last thing is this. And to just finish that point up, to have real joy, real gladness of heart, and real purpose, then we must have truth. More than have it, we must know it. Because truth is not a concept. It's a person. Hear me. Truth is not a concept. It's a person. You must know Him. And the question is, do we really know Him? Not know about Him, but do we know Him? And the third and last thing is the joy of trust. Now think about all these things as it compares to Joseph. Joseph was involved in all of these. He knew the truth, and he, and he, uh, and he submitted to the truth. He knew the trial, and he embraced the trial. And now he's knowing the joy of trust, the joy of being trusted by God. You can look at it this way. We're going through this right now. Maybe, maybe it's because God trusts us, believers, to go through this right now. Do you think God didn't know this was coming in 2020? Did He think He didn't know you would be alive? And the question is, are we reacting and responding in the way that He expects us to because He trusts us in 2020 to handle this right and go into 2021 having gained from 2020 and not, you know, I, I can't wait till 2020 is over. I, I hate 2020 and 2020 this and 2020 that. It's the curse of a lifetime. And it's going to be such an unbelievable hardship on people if they go into 2021 and very little has changed. We got to stop this because our foundation is not built on what we believe on this earth. It's about who we believe in and who is in control. And God will take care of us. We can believe, we can trust Him. And it's amazing if God trusts us. God trusted Joseph to be the stepdad to his son. God tr trusted Joseph to raise his son. I want that kind of trust in my life. I want to have that kind of character, that kind of faith, that kind of, that kind of ability in my life that says, God could trust me. He could trust me with the church in this time. He could trust me with relationships in this time. He could trust me with my family in this time. He could trust me with kingdom purpose and kingdom dynamics in this time. Jesus understood this so much. You look at the cross when Jesus is dying on the cross and he looks down at John and he looks down at Mary. Jesus had brothers. He had half-brothers, biological brothers. But in that time when he was dying on the cross, he looked at John, that, that person who had proven over and over again, I'll be there for you, Jesus. Uh, you know, G when John wrote the Gospel of John, he kept saying that disciple whom Jesus loved, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, Jesus didn't love him anymore and he loved anybody else. But jo John loved Jesus more than anybody else did. And so when he looked at Jesus from a perspective, he said, Jesus loves me. And Peter's like, well, Jesus loves me. And John's like, not as much as me. 
right? Because when we, when we have the right response to Jesus, that's how we see it. He loves me. He trusts me. And because John was always there and John was always faithful and John heard the secret, who was it that was leaning on Jesus when, when Jesus said, somebody's going to betray me? And everybody was asking, who's going to be among themselves? But then when it came down to it, it was John that leaned over to Jesus and said, who's it going to be? And Jesus told John. It was John on the Isle of Patmos that was trusted by God to get the revelation that you read in the back of this book. Why? Because he was committed, he was devoted, he was in love with Jesus and the relationship of having with Jesus and love with God the Father, following God Jehovah, doing the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, and his heart was for people. He wasn't against people, he wasn't against things. He wasn't always challenging everything. He was loving and standing for truth and believing God and loving God. And what happened was God trusted him. Jesus stood there and said, Mary, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He gave his own mom to his friend John to take care of as he was dying on the cross. That's trust. You see, this is the joy of trust, knowing that God trusts us and that we totally and fully trust him. But I have this feeling that God can't fully trust us until we fully trust him. And the question is, do you look at God as some kind of casual thing? Do you look at God as some kind of familiar thing and you don't really even understand what trusting him means? Trusting Him means no matter what, I trust you, God. No matter what it looks like, I trust you, God. No matter what's going on in my life, I trust you, God. I know you, God. And I know you'll follow through and do what you said you would do. The joy of being trusted and the joy of trusting God. Gladness comes when struggle and control stop. Gladness comes when struggle and control stop. So I want to challenge you, church online. I want to challenge you, everybody in this room right now. Everyone look at me. My question to you and myself this morning is in our relationship with God, how much are we trying to control and how much are we struggling? How much are we wrestling with God and His purpose and His will and His design for our lives? And how much are we surrendering to it? How much are we trying to control it? And God says, this is what I want you to do. Or He leads us through His Word. Or He he inspires us as we worship. And and, and we know in our heart, this is something God wants us to do. This is a person He wants us to talk to. Or this is a project He wants us to take on. Or this is a thing He wants us to grow in. Or something like that. And, 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 And we say, all right, God, I'll do it. But it needs to be in this box and in this shape and this look. How much are we going, "Ah, I don't know, God, I don't know, man, that's hard, that's difficult, that's outside my comfort zone, I don't know if I can go there. See, joy comes when there's no more of that at all. Joy and peace comes when there's no more struggle and and there's no more trying to control. It's just, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Just tell me my next move. What is it? What what does your word say? What I need to do? I need to, okay, I'm doing that. And what I need to do, okay, I'm doing that. Okay, God, what I need to do, okay. And I'm praying and I'm seeking God and God's speaking to me. And I'm, okay, God, you want me to do that today? Okay, I'm not even going to resist. I'm not going to struggle with it. I'm just going to do it. That's where true joy, gladness of heart and assurance of God's perfection comes when the control and the wrestling stops. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him and He will make your path straight and smooth. 
removing obstacles that block your way. See, real joy, assurance of peace and deliverance from internal conflict comes through trials, truths, and trust. That's where it comes from, from trials, truths, and trust. You should take these notes. You should look at these notes. Take them on you version. And when you're going through something this week, you need to stop and go, wait a minute. How am I responding? What does this look like to me? Am I being like Joseph did or am I responding in my flesh? Because joy, true joy comes through trials, truths, and trust. Am I standing on the truth of the word? Am I embracing that the trial is making me better? And am I believing the truth? And am I trusting God with my whole heart and allowing him the opportunity to trust me with his word? It just means mastery over our emotions, over our carnal nature, over our self-centered desires that lead to hurt and pain and come as a result of using trials to benefit walking in, in uh, truth and, and rejecting deceit and living in trust reciprocally with God. This is the true freedom of joy. So I'll close with this. 1 Peter 1.8, the New International Version says this, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Let's pray.